Hello, everybody. We are back hey, hey, hey. on your fabulous Friday. It's almost Christmas. It is almost Christmas, isn't it? It's so trippy that this year yes. is like almost finished. It's like nine days or eight days till New Year's Eve. Like how wild is that? Like we're almost Oof. in 2022. Where the, I feel like 2021 just disappeared. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You've just blinked and you're like, whoa, bet. Yeah. And well, then we've done someone, a shitload someone did this the theme and they're like, 2022 is actually just like 2022. Like it's just, we're doing 2020 again. And I'm like, no, we can't do 2020 <laughs> again. <laughs> Have you seen those memes where it's like, everyone just step quietly into 2022. Yeah. Like, shh, don't raise your voice. <laughs> like we don't want it to know we're here. Okay. Like don't cause a scene. Oh man. So bad, <laughs> isn't it? Anyway, we haven't even introduced us, ourselves. I'm Zana. Hello, and I'm Jessica. And we have <laughs> such an epic podcast for you today. Like one of the reasons that I kind of started this podcast was to try and share sex and all its information surrounding sex mm. and making it less taboo. We can just talk about it. Um, and so we have an amazing sexologist called Lauren French that is coming on with us today. And it is a long episode because we covered so much. So we're just going to do a quick spill the tea this morning and then um, get straight into the episode. So Jess, what's your spill the tea? Okay, guys. So you guys seem to yet. love my dating stories. Yeah, she doesn't know, and I haven't told you. Oh, I've I've been writing spill the tea moments in my phone, so that way okay. I've got some juicy ones, right? So you'll know the situation. So I, I went on a date with a guy not long ago, and I was really excited for this date because it was a a guy I met on Bumble, and we had like really good back and flow conversation. And I was super mm. pumped. Anyway, when I met him, it was definitely not the guy that I envisioned in my head. But I was like, oh yeah, still a good date, still a good date. But then the second date. This was that breakfast guy, that weird breakfast guy. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and the second date was so fucking weird. Like I, I was sitting across from him having breakfast and I was like, oh, you know, what do you feel like for breakfast? Like there's so much on this menu. He's like, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't even eat, like, eat breakfast. Like I probably I probably won't even eat breakfast. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so like why, why, why the fuck are we at breakfast? Like <laughs> it was just, it just so much of his personality came out during the second day because before we were like bowling and we we're doing things so he was like distracted but actually talking to him one-on-one I was like this guy's real weird anyway he dropped me home and it was super awkward and I've just like cut conversation the reason I bring this up is because I'm trying to sell my car because Zana and I are moving overseas next year and I am trying to get like a, a scratch repaired on the side of my car and I was like I've definitely taken a photo of the scratch but who have I sent it to so I can go back and and have a look to get that photo yeah and I remembered that I had sent it to him because that's when we were talking and I was like oh fuck I just scratched my car so mm. I went and I like went onto Facebook and I got his name up and I was going through our old conversation and when I clicked on the photo <laughs> to screenshot it you called I him. accidentally loved it oh <laughs> you know when you hold it and you fucking love it I was like oh my god and then I quickly unloved it and then I was like surely like surely he won't know yeah he found out oh and he messaged god. me and he was like oh hey um are you trying to reach out to me like how are you going and I just was like oh my god and I just like held my finger down and I just deleted the entire conversation after I got the photo and I was like but it just happened so quickly that I was like oh my god you're a bitch Jess like did you reply you to just him? totally freaked out huh did you reply no I just freaked out and I literally you know when you can swipe across and just delete the whole conversation I was just like <laughs> ah delete see it. <laughs> I was like Oh my god, Jess, you're you're a mean person. You should have been like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry, I was, I just accidentally double clicked something. I was trying to save a photo." You should have just been I honest. Didn't I didn't. I didn't want to bother going down that rabbit hole. So I 
just like was oh like oh my crap. god so now he must think I'm like trying to reach out to him but I was like this is super awkward just because he was so strange too this just Ugh. shows that when you do do those things accidentally like you'll like someone's photo and then unlike it they it. still see it they still fucking see it so yeah, yeah just super awkward all the time and sometimes I like like people's photos from like 2012 and I'm like fuck they yeah, now nah, it just shows you're a super stalker. Yeah. Well, now I'm just like, well, yeah. this is just Sorry to everyone out there if I've done that to you because I definitely was stalking <laughs> you. Like, no, I'm not even going <laughs> to pretend I wasn't. <laughs> oh, we all stalk. But, yeah, I know. It was just something funny. And I just it was just funny because Aww. he was breakfast guy and he was so strange. And I was just like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And he was a big wow. overthinker as well. So I was like, great. Mm. He, me loving this photo is going to make him overthink Everything. that I'm trying to talk to him. And I was just yeah. like, I just actually can't be fucked. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. I'll take this to my grave. But, yeah, I mean, I got a photo. I got to do what I needed to do. Wow. <laughs> Funny story. Wow, wow, Arizona, wow. hit me up. What's yours? Well, mine's definitely not as exciting as that, really. It kind of coincides with this episode. <laughs> but um, I just want to say, for one, that I'm in New South Wales currently and came to Sydney to see my family for Christmas. This is in my spill the tea. I just want to say that New South Wales is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I spilled the tea this week. Oh it's shit! Like, my goose noise just crept out just then. Oh god! Like that made me laugh. I was supposed to be seeing a friend for dinner tonight, but one of the girls, one of the nurses at my old work, tested positive. So what? they now have to all isolate for Christmas, and like, it's just mental. I'm like, even though I'm like, I want to live with this shit, but I'm also, I want to have Christmas with my family. Like, I don't really care about getting COVID, so to speak. But like, I don't want to have to isolate over Christmas. Like, that would literally be the absolute worst thing in the entire world. Like, oh. I mean, at least my, you'd be isolating with your family. I mean, like, you'd be I'd like, have just to. leave me yeah. food at the door. Oh, we've got a seven kilo turkey coming. What are we going to fucking do with that? Oh, yum. I would love a seven kilo turkey. <laughs> I'll send you some in the mail. <laughs> anyway, please do. My actual spill of the tea oh. is that this morning I actually got my official offer letter for sec- my sexology degree, which leads into this ooh, episode ooh. because we are talking to a sexologist and I'm going to become one. So I am so excited. Yes. $33, and it's good because <laughs> 3000 33,000 on the head. Oh, 33. I was like, dude, three grand's not bad. Don't complain. Okay, 33. Yeah. Woo. Mm, That's mm. some money, girl. Yeah. But this is your passion. Yes. And this is a great episode because I tell people all the time, oh, yeah, Zana, like, like wants to be a sexologist. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, you know, I don't really know. <laughs> and so that's mm. why this episode was great for me because yeah. what I thought it was and you'll hear in the episode, yeah, I was, I was totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually so fascinating. And like, obviously I've always known what it was, but it's like nice, like being able to educate you and educate other people and like what actually they are. Mm-hmm. And we're not just like sex freaks. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's a little actually, bit of a sex freak at times, but I, I feel think. like out of either of us, you'd be the one that would be more like a classic sexology, like what they, what the conception would be of a sexologist rather than me. Because <laughs> you 100%. I yeah. talk about sex all the yeah. time. <laughs> but it's not just about like, they're not all crazy sex crazy fiends sexologists there's yeah. much more to them okay <laughs> much more and you're you're here in the we'll episode so we'll 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 shut up now and um Peace you'll hear more out. of us in the next part <laughs> so uh, we're here with amazing sexologist lauren french hey lauren how are you going <laughs> good thanks for having me on very excited to chat all things sex oh thanks so much for coming on it's been like one of the things i've been like looking forward to literally one of the reasons we started this podcast i was like i just want to talk about sex the whole time so we finally are <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> about it <laughs> always a fun time oh yeah definitely how did you get into this line of work and yeah where did it all start for you yeah so i'm from darwin in the northern territory originally and i moved to melbourne uh, vic to do study and to go to uni and i did psychology 
I did dance actually originally. I was like a professional dancer for a while, just as a complete side difference. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. Mm. And then I kind of transitioned into psychology and basically sex always really interested me. It was like a fascination when I was younger. It never grossed me out. I just always thought it was really cool and interesting and like, I, I was the weird kid that was super excited to do like sex ed and puberty in like primary school. I was like, yes, tell me all about bodies. They're so cool. Um, and so I was just someone that was really comfortable talking about it and always kind of talked to my friends about it. And it just, I thought it was fascinating. And so as I got older, I discovered that sexology was even something that existed and that you could specialize in and do. And I was like, yes, that, that is what I want to do. And thankfully, while I was studying my master's of sexology, I was working as a sexuality educator with a non-for-profit in Melbourne. So I do both. So I work clinically at the moment with the Australian Institute of Sexology and Sexual Medicine. Mm -hmm. um, And that's what I do in private practice. So I see individuals, couples around a range of sexual issues, sometimes function stuff, sometimes sexual pain, sometimes just sexual confidence and esteem and pleasure and all that kind of stuff. And then I also work in schools through kind of early childhood all the way up to year 12, covering things like consent, respect for relationships, uh, all that kind of stuff. That is wow, so cool. It's a big topic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, a big it topic, is. this sexology also, business. Wow. Yeah. You just cover so much. Like you're covering like adolescents transitioning into their life and like their sexual experience and then also adults in their sexual experience. Like yeah. you're covering it all. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I feel most of the time when I see adults, that like there's a huge, there's so much that I see people coming to me and a huge thing they talk about is their lack of sex ed and the lack yeah. of sex positivity and information about their bodies and about everything. So then it's kind of fun to be able to go into schools and kind of tackle that with the people, the kids coming yeah. through now, but then being able to work in private practice and on my Instagram to kind of help, you know, all of us that just didn't have great sex ed. I mean, my sex ed wasn't terrible. I don't have a horror story of sex ed, but I definitely have, you know, like they split boys and girls up, which red flag. Uh, they didn't let the girls use condoms. We weren't allowed to put them on because the boys got to do that, not us, which I was furious at. I like so desperately wanted to put a condom on. And like year eight, I was just like, no, this is my right. You, I am allowed to do this. And yeah, and it was just all the classics. It was the don't get pregnant. It was a this is chlamydia and it'll ruin your life if you get it. And just so like mm. putting sex in this heteronormative you know disease box yeah and sex is just so much more than that exactly and I think like the more I started thinking about doing sexology the more I feel like even if I didn't outwardly say it the more people would like come to me and like talk about their sex lives and talk about all these things and I was just like this like none of this is normal like how do you guys think that all this stuff is normal that you're like doing and thinking in relationships about sex and orgasms and things like that and I was like this is just like so fascinating to me and that's what like one I what made me want to get into it and I always was so fascinated in the body anyway like doing nursing that like I think sex is just like another huge side of like who you are as a person so yeah it's just so fascinating I love it yeah and unfortunately aside that most people don't talk about it's still very taboo we still live in a very sex negative society as a whole and you know like I was definitely the same with particularly when I was in like first year or second year of like my undergrad friends would come to me like asking sex questions just because I was always open about talking about it. And I remember this one girlfriend came up to me and was like, oh, Lauren, like I can't, I can't seem to like orgasm with my partner, like any tips. And I was like, oh, you know, well, how do you orgasm on your own? And she just looked at me and went on my own. And I was like, oh no, I was like, oh no. Somehow we've missed like masturbation, pleasure and orgasms and we're yeah. jumping straight to sex. And I'm like, oh no, we need to go back. We need to go back. 
It actually blows my mind if people don't um, masturbate. Like I, I, yeah. I've had friends before and we've talked about it in a big group and then there's people that are really quiet and then I'm like, hang on a minute, Ugh. why are you quiet mm. here? And they're like, oh, well, I, don't, I don't really, I don't never done that. I'm like, yeah. what? How do some yeah. people just naturally fall into it? And then there's some people, is it just like how you're brought up and you just kind of shelter? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's so many different kind of parts of it. I know research kind of shows that women like vulva owners tend to fall into either masturbating really young. So like, because mm-hmm. basically vulva owners, we always have a clitoris and it does the same thing from when we're like born to now. So like uh, women will either start very, and it's like, and it's not like a super in a weird way, sexual thing. It's like, you know, you, you're in a, you know, jacuzzi and you're against a jet and you discover your clitoris or like mm. you're in a shower or you're in the bed and like, and it becomes, and then that just becomes normalized in your masturbation as you get older or women kind of fall into a category where they don't masturbate until they're in their twenties, if not older. Oh. And it kind mm. of, I know it's this really big kind of gap. And I mean, when you look at it though, media still hasn't really normalized female masturbation that much I mean I know growing up all the movies the jokes were all about guys you know yeah. coming in socks or fucking an apple pie or something I'm sorry I'm swearing I don't know if I'm allowed to oh um, I can swear yeah <laughs> I'm like we're talking sex I feel it's gonna happen at some point um yeah but that was super normalized while no one like movies never made jokes about girls masturbating yeah it is such like a gap and it still is though. People, it's so taboo to still talk about, which is like what I wanted to get into. We're like kind of like skipped ahead to the taboo topics. But yeah, mm. I wanted to get into like how just orgasming orgasming and talking about like masturbation and so taboo and how we kind of got to this place. Like, and how do we kind of go back and start talking about it again and like normalizing it all? Mm. I mean, a podcast is always a good step. Yeah. Um, <laughs> chatting on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but it is that funny thing I feel there can be so much embarrassment around masturbation yet Mm. there's also this really big pressure for women to like know what to do sexually to know their bodies to be able to orgasm you know at the same time as their partner against a wall in the rain like Mm. like, which never happens um that's not a thing just 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 to be clear um and so (laughs) And this idea of like, oh, you know, because a lot of people learn from watching porn or they learn from media and often it doesn't actually go into the depth of female pleasure. The fact that female bodies take 20 to 40 minutes to get fully aroused, like it takes that long Mm. for your genitals to actually get fully aroused. So if we're trying to bang out an orgasm, you know, in 10 minutes, you're actually not even getting to the point of having, you know, the female equivalent of an erection. Yeah. So like anatomically, you're just not you're just not going to be able to get there that easily. Fascinating. The human yeah, body, just man. like going 20 back- minutes, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do need a little warm up, don't we? We yeah. do. And look, and that's a mixture of like mental arousal and physical yeah. arousal. But like, I don't know if people, if, if, if you're listening and you've never seen a clitoris, not like in person, but like the whole clitoris structure, I recommend Googling it because the clitoris is huge. Mm. And the part that you actually see of the female body is tiny and just like the outer bit. And actually all of the inner structure works pretty much the same as a penis so blood mm. rushes to it it gets it expands you get like a mini clitoral erection basically and like Ooh. all of that puts pressure on your vagina so that's why penetration starts to feel good mm. and not just like a tampon and so like you kind of have to give your body all this sort of time but most people yeah they just kind of go all right well we're having like five minutes of foreplay and then we're having five minutes of penetration and then yep. wondering why we're not having these like movie type firework screaming orgasms with our partner yeah and I feel like it's hard as well in those especially in those relationships if people have been with their partners for such a long time how they kind of broach that with 
they're say they're in a heterosexual relationship and they are like going to their partner, their male partner and telling them this stuff, but their male partners never even thought about that. They don't even think about orgasms. Like how do they, how do we then kind of educate those guys to kind of start thinking about orgasms and female orgasms as something more than just like wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Like that. Did you orgasm from that penetrative sex? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. And look, I also want to preface this by saying like, like orgasm should not be the goal of sex like sex should not be goal-based it shouldn't all like you know it should be about pleasure and you can have pleasure without an orgasm with an Mm. orgasm and also orgasm doesn't mean the end of sex you don't get to an orgasm and then you're like great wash your hands done yeah I have dinner um you know it's something that can continue on when we're talking about you know like a very if we're talking the stereotypical heterosexual relationship I often recommend you know, my, my, my kind of go-to, if you want to increase time, I think the best thing is to explain that the clitoris is like a penis because they understand what a penis does yeah. and to be really clear about the fact that, well, I need to have time to get my erection. And actually we can't just rush into this and expect amazing stuff if we're not giving myself time. And I often, you know, will recommend people, particularly if we're struggling with orgasm with our partner, will be like, let your partner go down on you, give you oral sex for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like put a timer on, actually have a conversation with them and be like, okay, we're going to do this for 30 minutes because so often women tell me their partner will go down on them for a couple of minutes and they're in their head and it's stressing them mm-hmm. and there's pressure.com and they're just like, oh, let's just move on. Let's just move to something else. And it's really hard when actually you got to give yourself time to both relax into your body, to let yourself get fully aroused and to hopefully get to a place of orgasm. So that's yeah. kind of my two face at the beginning is to like explain it to them like a penis because everything is about the penis um and then actually be like let's do this for 30 minutes particularly if your partner if you have a partner who really wants to give you pleasure and explore with you and that's important be like great this is important to you okay I'm putting a 30 minute timer on and we're not leaving the bed until we get it right mm-hmm. and I'm giving myself the time to that. get it right. yeah that's so great so like when, when you're, when you're working, I guess, like when you are seeing clients, um, like adult clients and whatnot, what is like, what is the kind of most common things that you see or what do people kind of come to you for? Yeah. So I see a lot of female sexual pain patients. So mm. women suffering from either vaginismus or vulvodynia. Yeah. Uh, so if we're, un- if we're unfamiliar, vaginismus is, which I see the most of, which is basically when penetration either isn't possible or is just really painful, it feels like you're like hitting a brick wall in your vagina. Mm -hmm. It's like burning, stabbing, stinging pain, really terrible. Um, And that's basically your pelvic floor being like hyperactive and tensing and not being able to relax in the moment and get aroused. And then vulvodynia is pain on like the vulva, so the outside. So like around your clitoris, around your labia. So like if after sex, it's really painful to sit down or have clothes on your body, like that can be a form of vulvodynia. Mm. so I work really closely yes yeah, terrible and you know yeah. people don't talk about it enough like vaginismus like painful sex that affects about one in five women mm. what one in five one yeah in five. I actually like we're sitting with a friend like not that long ago like maybe six months ago and I'd always known that like her boyfriend kind of always insinuated that they didn't have enough sex or like he just kind of felt like she wasn't sexual enough and whatnot and one day she like after being f- friends for like five years finally opened up to me and just basically said like every time I have sex, it's painful. Like I just can't, like, I have to like really commit to that moment because it's really painful and I don't find it enjoyable like at all. Mm. I was just like, have you even seen anyone about this? Like, this is yeah. like, you've just been dealing with this for the last five years in your relationship and you're just dealing with it. 
like pain, like your sex shouldn't be painful. You should be able to enjoy it. And it just makes me so sad for people that are going through that. Yeah. And to, to be clear, sex should never be painful. It's yeah. not normal. Even the first time you have sex, it is not normal for that to be painful. Mm. And I think, again, that's another thing media is really just kind of normalized is it hurts the first time you have sex. It shouldn't. Yeah. If you're doing enough foreplay, if you're giving yourself enough time to get ready, it shouldn't actually hurt. Yeah. But like we just kind of have normalized that. And yeah, I see people, you know, particularly women who've had pain for like eight plus years and, you know, they're not what? having sex at all. And yeah. they're just, and it becomes a really difficult thing. And, and of course, you're not going to want sex when sex hurts. Mm. Like obviously, we don't, if you walked into the kitchen and every time you walked into the kitchen, you got slapped in the face, you'd stop walking in. Yeah. You'd avoid it. 100%. Because it hurts. So obviously, we're not going to want sex. And so, you know, unfortunately, it's something a lot of people deal with for a really long time. Unfortunately, we don't have, you know, I'm not going to throw every GP under the bus because there are some amazing GPs, but I've heard my clients will come to me and they've gone to their GPs and they've gone, oh, here's some lube, just relax, you'll be right. Yeah. And it's like, wow. no, that's actually not what's happening. Like you, I work with a team, me and a pelvic floor physio mm. to work with our pain patients so that we can not only tackle the pelvic floor release technique stuff but also the mental arousal stuff because it's really hard to get back into wanting sex when yeah. sex has been really painful for a really long time well I guess it's like any trauma isn't wow. it like if if something has traumatized you the last thing you're going to want to do is go and work through that and like get to the other side of it because it just every time you think about it every time it happens it's like a trauma response and you don't want to do it so it oh, makes exactly sense. just yeah so if, you know, to anyone listening who has, if you have painful sex, you don't need to continue to have painful sex. That is not normal. It should mm. not be your normal. You know, please reach out or please reach out to a pelvic floor physio, to a sexologist. And the worst thing you can do, actually, one of the worst things is to keep trying to have penetrative sex. Do not mm. keep pushing through. Do not keep gritting your teeth and bearing it. It does not help. Yeah. It just continues to get you stuck in a pain cycle. Yeah. Well. Wow. I'm still like, like shocked about one in five women. Like that mm. is yeah. such a shock but to me. Thing, people don't talk about it. Like your friend, what took yeah. you five years? Yeah. Share it with you. Like we, and women just, particularly women's health, which I'm sure you're all, you know, both so aware of, of like, we be, we kind of minimize it. We don't talk about things that often. We, mm. you know, women just grit their teeth and push through. Yeah. And sex is already something we don't talk about. So if something's going wrong with sex as well, there's even added shame. Of like, oh, well, great. As a woman, I'm failing or in my relationship, it's failing and kind of. Yeah. It's so interesting though, isn't it? Because it's like women are the ones who are like known to like share everything emotionally and like connect all together as women as emotionally. But like we never talk about sex and then men are the opposite. They don't talk about their emotions. All they do is talk about sex. So it's like, it's like this like thing that doesn't match. Like we should all just be talking about everything. But yeah, it's I guess it's progressing to that point. But yeah, just slowly, I guess. <laughs> slowly <Yeah>. but surely. <laughs> slowly but surely. Yeah. So what kind of other patients do you see? Like what what who can come to you and like what what can they get? Yeah. So like anyone can come see me. Say hi. Yeah. Um but <laughs> say basically, hi. yeah, it's so a lot of sexual pain. Um I deal uh, with couples who have you know like mismatched libidos or just like when sex is an issue, mm-hmm. basically. Um individuals where we they just want to have more confidence over their sex or feel more empowered, understand their pleasure or their sexual identity. Um, or some people who have had trauma or, you know, they just sometimes people come to me because they just want to unpack who, yeah. who they are and what their sexuality is. So realistically, any if you have, you know, any sexual concerns or if sex is just there's something about it that's an issue mm. and you feel that you might 
you know, it's something that you want to talk through, then that's basically our creator space where we can do that, where we can unpack it and we can, you know, find some, get, get us to a place where basically you're having the sex you want to be having. No yeah. matter who that's with or what that's doing, but you're getting a satisfying sex life where you can actually prioritize pleasure. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the goal. Yeah. And do you find it that like some, I guess like when some couples see you, is it more like the women kind of pushing their partners to do it? Or do you find that it's usually like an equal kind of thing, them coming to see you? Depends. Yeah. Depends. And I would say, unfortunately, whoever in the relationship feels like they're the problem is usually the one that's reaching out. Mm. And I say that like that because there's never one person that's the problem, to be clear. Yeah. Like you've got two people in a relationship, so there's two people kind of managing that. But whoever feels like they're in the wrong. So that's often if the person has pain and is avoiding sex, it's them Mm. that will push and come. And like they will come or if it's someone who isn't or like, yeah, they're not feeling as sexual, they will come because they're like, well, my partner wants more sex. So I want you, Lauren, to tell me how to have more sex. Yeah. Hilarious. Mm Because I'm like, well, if it was that easy, I would just say go home and have sex and you'd be fine. I feel like this is like the most common thing that I come across because like I I was living in Sydney before and pretty much I'd say 99% of my friends groups were all married like in these very long-term relationships and the most common thing is that people or their partners or their like boyfriends don't or fiance's husbands don't think that they're having enough sex it's like there's such a common thing but then all this like I guess life stuff gets in the way they've been in a relationship for such a long time they don't know who they are sexually anymore they just feel like it's just this mundane routine like how do I guess so many people go through this like rut in their relationship and they they kind of feel less sexualized because their partners are making them feel like they are just not sexual enough for them and then that's just it creates a cycle in itself yeah I think the worst thing that can happen in a long-term relationship and I'm in like you know a seven-year relationship myself um but like the worst thing that I see particularly for my clients is when sex becomes a chore yeah sex is a is a box ticking moment it's oh I guess it's Saturday so I guess we have to have sex (laughs) because it's Saturday and like it it does become and I'm not against like scheduling sex and having like a routine with sex because that can work really well for people Mm. but not when it's like oh okay they want sex again so I'll roll over and we'll do it and then I'll go to bed and like you know when sex isn't fun there's no playfulness there's no eroticism there's just boringness and it can happen but what I think often is coming from that place is yeah someone you know we've lost our inner sexuality we don't have an individual sexuality either we don't have Mm. an environment that is creating a nice you know, a space for us to be sexual. Yeah. Like, you know, to be clear, lockdowns and COVID is not a great time for our sex life for anyone because mm. it's stressful and anxiety, you know, creating. And that's in our body is not a time where our body goes, great, we can be relaxed and vulnerable and have sex. Yeah. This doesn't happen. And also then if you've got, you know, other life stresses, as you said, being an adult, being a parent, like all of this stuff is going to make an effect on how much sex we're having. Mm-hmm. But I would say most people get so focused on the amount, on the number. And they I would do. say I have couples coming to me with both men and women on either end, like men who want very little sex and women who want a lot of sex and then, you know, and vice versa. And everyone's different because I'll often have couples who always come in and they go, we want better sex or we want more sex. And I'm like, cool. So what do you think that's going to fix? Yeah. And actually, when you say better sex, what does that mean? Because mm. people will say, well, better means we're having a lot of it. And I'm like, is that what better means? Yeah. Because if you're having really mm. average sex that doesn't feel great and you just times that by 10, 
that doesn't equal amazing sex. That just means no. you've had average mediocre sex 10 times. Yeah. Mm. So it's like actually getting people to think about what do you want out of your sex life? Like, is it the intimacy? Is it connection? Is it adventure? Is it pleasure? Is it like, what are you really trying to get more of? Wow, this is yeah. such a big topic. So true. Yeah, it is a huge <laughs> I'm topic. Like, There's so much to unpack. <laughs> there is. Like, so, yeah. so if someone goes to the GP with, with pain, right, do GPs actually, are they aware that there are sexologists and there are people that they can refer? Some. Some are, definitely. And some, even if they don't know about sexologists, they'll know of pelvic floor physios and they'll refer mm-hmm. on. But it's like any, with any sort of healthcare, like some GPs are great and amazing and will refer to us, will refer to um, mm-hmm. others, but some, you know, at the same that tell people with endo to go get pregnant and they'll be fine. Like, you know, there's unfortunately, mm-hmm. G- and I will say GPs have so much to know and go through. Like yeah. it's really, yeah. like they can never be across everything. But I think, unfortunately, with women's health, a lot of it just gets missed. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so going back to kind of, I guess, like that side where people feel like they kind of have this disconnect in their sexual relationships and long-term relationships and they just think that, like, sex is the deed and that's that's what they have, have to do how many times a week. Like, what I guess, like, what other things can they do to explore or spice up their relationship or make them feel more sexual or like how do they kind of get that fire back that they lost I guess yeah I love that I like spicing it up like you just grab some pepper in that Megan and you go yeah um <laughs> I don't do that that's probably gonna sting um I often say for people like if you want to like if you want to be wanting more sex you want to increase sex drive or you want to be having mm. better sex you need to have a conversation with your partner about what better sex looks like because you both need to be on the same page. If your partner's going, I want sex four times a week and you're like, I want this many orgasms, those are two different goals. Mm. And so you're actually going to have to communicate and work out what is that going to look like? And then individually, you both need to be, you know, looking after and feeding and exploring your individual sexuality. So like often people think that masturbation is just something single people do. And once you're in a relationship, you don't need to because you've got a partner. Mm. which you know I love my partner we've been together for a very long time we have great sex um but I still love exploring my individual sexuality because that that makes me a better partner a better lover it makes me aware of my own body more so if you're wanting to you know start increasing that with your partner you need to make sure you're still doing it yourself and you know and then outside of just like masturbation you know where is your everyday sensuality where is your kind of exploring yourself as a sexual person outside of the bedroom as well? Mm. Like, what do you do that makes you feel not like super horny? Like it doesn't have to be like, you know, cutting vegetables turns you on. Um, but it could, yeah. no judgment. Yeah, definitely. Fetish. That's fine. No <laughs> Fetish, judgment yeah. here. No. no judgment. But it's like, when else do you feel sexual and sensual and erotic? Mm. And, you know, how can you kind of explore that on your own and then explore it together? Mm. and build your intimacies you know why yeah. you don't need to jump straight to penetration because we've already talked about that's maybe not the be all and end all like you know mm. what are your foreplay structures you know when do you just give each other I don't know a massage or a shower together or mm. you know any of that kind of stuff COVID has made it really difficult like with especially with couples who like both work from home you're working from home you're sleeping together, you're like, you're spending 24 seven together that like your home now kind of becomes your workplace and it doesn't feel like a sexual place anymore. And I feel like people have also lost that and they've become so routine that they've kind of forgotten what sex even is and what intimacy even is together. Yeah. I feel like I think, COVID has changed that. I think a lot of couples, unfortunately, are doing a lot of 
sharing space and not Mm. a lot of actually quality intentional time together yeah so it's like yes you can share a house for two weeks and you can actually have no intentional time together which means you feel like you've been in each other's face all the time yet you still feel disconnected from them and there's Mm. no intimacy and you're like oh I feel kind of like like we haven't spent time together even though we literally haven't been apart from each other yeah but it's because you're not having intentional away time or intentional together time Mm. so how do you kind of make that plan to have like intentional time together like if if say for example you obviously you're in a long-term relationship you obviously know how to keep your relationship kind of I guess alive and making sure you have time for each other I don't know (laughs) my partner's not here though so who knows (laughs) I could be completely wrong how do people start like what can be something that like they start together to kind of like start exploring that and communicating better again I mean I think you know there's always the the little things of like you know make a date night jar Mm. and like have an activity thing to like you know and I think they can work really well particularly if you're wanting to create that intentional time together I think it is about don't forget to have intentional time apart though yeah like you know um, Esther Perel has this great sort of uh, who's a sexologist this great sort of conversation around desire and the fact that desire grows in the in-between spaces and mm-hmm. like you actually need time apart. It doesn't mean long distance, but it means like you need to be doing separate things, being in separate spaces, talking to different people so you can kind of see your partner in different lights. Yeah. So you can develop that desire. And so, you know, not only do you need to be intentional, okay, this is the days where we're going to do stuff together and we're actually doing things together. We're actively doing that. We're not sitting on our phones next to each other on the couch. Mm. We can do that, but that's not intentional time together. But then be intentional with, okay, now I'm going to have separate time, time away. Yeah. So you kind of add both sides of it. So what I was saying before, I just Mm. don't want to forget because I know that I've got a lot of friends actually that have this situation. So hopefully they listen and they can get something from this. But say they've been with their partner for like, I don't know, five, six, seven, ten years, Mm -hmm. and they've just become, they're just best friends, you know. And then Mm. I've had situations where they've actually opened up to me and they've said, oh, no, we we maybe have sex like once every six or eight months. And I'm just mm. like, whoa. And I'll communicate with them a bit more about it. And I can tell that they want to be more sexual, but they're just too embarrassed. It's like they're too embarrassed to communicate to their partner and they just got like that shame around it. So I know communication is the key with everything. And we've spoken a lot about, you know, communicating with your partner and saying what you like and everything. But what happens if you don't have that communication and you're, I don't know, how else do you approach it? I know you, communication is key. You see a sexologist. Mm, then how, how do I help? <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess you, you see, see a sexologist. You, yeah, you see a sexologist. You, and you kind of have to prioritize it in your life as well. I think that's the other thing of as you get older, as adults, you know, life gets busy, yeah. family stuff happens, you know, work, etc. And so when you're in a long-term, really comfortable relationship, it's really easy for sex to fall to the wayside, particularly if neither of you are like really putting it forward. And so, mm. yeah, and then, yeah. and then the longer it, goes the harder it is to be like oh we haven't had sex in like two months oh no and then it's like oh I guess I guess we're just that's fine we'll just leave it and continue on with life but it is about first in yourself as an individual go okay is sex a priority for me do I want to prioritize it and if this is important to you then yes reach out to a sexologist have a conversation with your partner just start you know exploring yourself more to see if that just kind of initiates things a little bit more um but like I often I often wouldn't recommend like you know just rocking up at home in some sexy outfit or just like surprising your partner with something because if you haven't had a conversation and you're only having sex every couple months it might blindside them it might be it might not end up the way you want it to either 
Mm, and yeah. so I think it's why it's so important to be like, hey, actually, I'd like to talk about our sex life. And I recommend doing that. If you're going to have that chat, don't have it in bed next to each other, actually, because Ooh, okay. don't do it Hopefully. when you're trying to have sex mm. or in a space where you have sex, because have it in a what we kind of call like a neutral ground. Do it on yeah. the couch, over dinner or whatever, and just be like, and I would recommend making a time to talk about it and giving each other time to work out what you're going to say. Because what will happen is partner A will go to partner B and be like, we need to talk about our sex life. And partner B has been thinking about gardening and the shops and something else. And they're like, oh, no. And then they have no thoughts. Yeah. And then partner A doesn't get what they want out of it. Partner B feels a bit blindsided and we don't get anywhere. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend partner A going, okay, I would like us tonight at dinner, when we're having dinner tonight to sit down and I'd really like us to talk about our sex life. So we're going to talk about it later. We don't need to talk about it now, but I'd like you to have a think and we can work out because at the moment I think we can work towards something a bit better. I'd like to have sex more and I'd like to do things, but I'd like us to talk about it tonight. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself prep time. Mm. Make notes. I am such a believer in like notes for conversations with our partner. It's like every time I do talk to friends about this, like, and I'm trying to give them advice, it just kills me on the inside because like sex is so fucking fun. Like, mm. I think sex is, like, such a joy in my life. Like, I I mean, Zana's lived with me. She knows. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm a horn dog. Like, and love. when I talk to friends, like, I just love sex. And when I talk to friends and they express to me and I can tell that they've got that, that fire in their eyes that they want that, but they're just so, I don't know, like, ashamed to talk to their partner about it. Mm. And I'm just like, and they're like, oh, but, you know, we've been together, like, 10 years. and But, like, these, they don't have children or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm like. You know, guys, like, rip each other's clothes off. I don't understand. You're missing all that I think, passion. I think people will lose, like, I think it's really hard. I, like, having been in a seven-year relationship myself in the past, I think it's really hard dating someone and starting dating someone when you're really young because the person you are sexually when you're 19, when you meet, is completely different to the mid-20s person that you become. And, like, your sexually yeah. desires change and maybe, like, your mm. fantasies change and all those things change that then you're ashamed to talk about because you're like, well, this person sees me as this this person from when I was 19. How can I suddenly bring up that I want to do this? Like, they're going to be like, what have you been doing? Like, have you been out talking to other people? Like, where has this come from? They're going to think that you're getting all these thoughts from somewhere else when actually it's just a transition of like your actual sexuality as a person. And like also, that, yeah. it's okay if you got your ideas from somewhere else. Yeah. You might be like, well, I was, you know, watching some porn or I was yeah. reading erotica or I was listening to some audio porn and they, I heard this and I want to do that. Mm. I want to explore that. And I think it's totally okay to get inspiration sexually from other yeah. spaces. Like it's not the same yeah. as being, okay, I'm super sexually attracted to someone else or, you know, having a cheating on a partner moment. This is, I'm just like sexually inspired yeah. by things around me. And yeah, I think if you're in a long-term relationship and you're happy with the amount of sex you're having, it doesn't matter if that's weekly, fortnightly, monthly, annually, as long mm-hmm. as you're both happy with it. If yeah. you're not both happy with it, okay, then we need to be working towards what we do want to be having and what yeah. it looks like. And there is no shame in wanting pleasure. Yeah. You know, like it is normal in a long-term relationship to have ebbs and flows in sex drives and in kind of in that ripping their clothes off moment. I think that definitely yep. like comes and goes at times, but even when it goes, you can still be having really great sex. Yeah. You just mm. got to work out what that is for you. Yeah, and I think there's yeah. there's kind of like pressure, I guess, as well from like the outside sources that like 
everyone in each relationship needs to be having sex X, X amount of times. And if you're not doing that, then there's something wrong with your relationship. When, like, like you're saying, oh, if that works for you, that works for you. But it's just when people get together and girls or guys get together and talk about it and then they're like, oh, mate, like you haven't had sex in two months. Like that's ridiculous. Like you should let your girl go and all that stuff. It's just like this pressure on everyone like talking. It's like, it's like, what do you call it? Like peer pressure to don't mm. go and do these things when you don't even like necessarily even want to do that for your relationship. It's just what everyone else is doing or what yeah. you think you should be doing. That's such a mum moment. If all your yeah. friends jumped off a bridge, would you go jump off a bridge? <laughs> exactly like, well. right. <laughs> They're doing it four times a week. Now I have to do it four times a week. <laughs> well, that's yeah. like when people meet me, you know, that's one of the classic, like if I'm at a party and people are like, what do you do? It's like, oh yeah, sexologist, et cetera. And sometimes people be like, oh, so you must have sex like every day. That's get, like, what I was going to say. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but like I'm busy. Yeah. I have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't actually have time to have sex every day. Like I'd like it if I could. I'm on holidays now, so who knows? But generally... No, I don't have sex every day. And I think mm-hmm. what they can do, and you might find this yourself when you kind of, as you get into it and tell people you're interested, people go, oh, you know, I've met some people who have said some interesting things and will often kind of really hyper-sexualize me yes. as an individual. They'll be yeah. like, wow, you must be into some kinky shit or like, oh, you must be, you must do this. Or, the, or they'll like, you know, go to my partner and be like, oh, lucky you. Or like just in really odd ways and yeah. in these kind of, or they'll, all they want to talk to me about is sex or porn mm. or like things and it's just it's very interesting to see how people respond to you when you're in this space yeah. I thought it was like a red room I was like it's like a red room with like butt plugs and like I did 100 yeah. percent. Uh, when I met Zana I was like damn you kink a saying like, what she was saying like oh yeah I want to be a sexologist I'm like damn she must be like kinky as fuck yeah oh my favorite thing is that my nan who's like you know mid-80s um was like talking to my friends at bingo apparently the other week and was saying oh yeah my granddaughter she works in the sex industry she's a she's a sex worker in the sex oh my god (laughs) and I was like yes I charge by the hour but it's a very different thing it's also probably much less than people charge by the hour being a sex worker so I definitely don't make as much (laughs) 100% don't make as much um and yeah and that's another thing though sometimes people will want an appointment and I have to be really clear this is talk therapy it's not touching it's not us getting naked it's none of that yeah that's so fascinating there's so many misconceptions about what it is is I guess that's such a new topic and it is something that is so taboo to talk about it's not like anyone would like go to someone who's a financial advisor and just be like oh my god you must just love money like how much money do you have like <laughs> it's just because it's just so not talked about it's just yeah. that people don't even know and it's like look yes I love sex and yes I'm happy to talk about sex but I also think it's important you know it's why you know if I'm in an uber and they ask what do I do I don't always tell them Mm. because you know safety and because I don't necessarily want to spend my next 20 minute uber driver you know ride talking about it or like being in that position I've definitely been at parties where people have gotten really weird about it yeah well I really hope that does change over time because there is something so important that like we should be able to openly talk about our careers in like a positive way rather than it being just like something that people are still like, Oh my God. Like then it just consumes everything that they want to talk about. Cause it's like sex is interesting, but also like there's more to you than just that. Like you, that's obviously your career, but there's more to you than just that. Then they need to explore that side of it. And hopefully over time people will get more used to talking about sex, but that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> hopefully it'll be the yeah. new dinner time conversation. Piece. Yeah. So how do you find like, I guess being, you obviously you've been in a relationship for a long time, but do you feel like men, 
maybe before you're in a relationship or since talking to people about it that they find it intimidating that you are a sexologist? <laughs> uh, it's funny because, yeah, women get really excited and they want to, they get super like empowered and then women just want to yeah. talk to me about sex and it always comes from a really great place and stereotypically straight men, to be clear, not amazingly queer men who are normally great, yeah. um, but really classically stereotypical straight men do tend to get hilariously in a way and I say hilariously because they get intimidated but what they do is they try to be really they try to like almost become not aggressive but in that kind of no I'm not like no like why would I be intimidated or they'll ask me questions like or like about my partner who is a a male and they'll go oh like he must be so intimidated by you or something I've had that like told to me and I I remember that this guy who said that they were like oh yeah like he must be so intimidated by like are you analyzing him right now and I like turned to him and I was like are you intimidated is it are you okay are you deflecting (laughs) well well, he was like why would I be intimidated I've got a girlfriend who he was ignoring and I was like yeah this is lovely you must be super great Wow. But yeah, Jesus. they definitely can be. And I and it's funny, not everyone is, but there can be that kind of almost, oh, so you know too much? Mm. Or like, oh, you see too mm. much. Like people are always like, oh, you know, you're you're psychoanalyzing our conversation. And I'm like, you're not paying me. Why would yeah. I spend my time analyzing you right now? Yeah, exactly. But also God. like maybe you should be analyzed if you're if you're like so concerned. Like what are you <laughs> yeah, like, about? I'll, I'll refer you on. I'll, I'll give you some names, yeah. but like, yeah, at like <laughs> at like 2 a.m. at this party, I'm not, no, I'm not I'm like giving you a therapy. They're getting session. very insecure. Like, mm, hey, it Jack is, it brings out they're the like, oh my God. Yeah, fully <laughs> brings out their insecurities, I think. And I think people thinking that your partners or like people who you see are intimidated, they like, if you are like so sh- sh- like sure in yourself and know who you are and what you want as a person, you shouldn't be intimidated by someone like that. So it's just like always a, deflect- a deflection off them. The fact that they yeah, even- <laughs> and I think there's also an element of, you know, in society we hypersexualize men and men have yeah. to be, and, you know, I think there's also this weird element of, like, well, I'm a female and a woman who, you know, is very confident and will talk mm. about sex very confidently, which is normally more of the kind of male idea in kind of a group. Yeah. And so I think sometimes men, if they've, even unconsciously, if they've really fallen into that hypermasculine, hypersexualized kind of character, they can kind of see me as like, well, no, that's my job. Like Mm. you're kind of stepping in that kind of role that I have to do. Yeah. And so I think Mm. that can sometimes be at play as well because, you know, unfortunately I have so many male clients who really struggle with this idea of having to be hyper-masculine, hypersexual, or having to, you know, be these kind of men that they're not. Yeah, exactly right. I think that's like a huge thing that obviously being – and helping as a sexologist when you're teaching kids is a huge thing because if we can try and change the next generation, then that's going to be amazing. But obviously there's a lot of men in our generation that still are very much like that. They're very much like the masculinity and the patriarchy, whatever one talks about. Mm. But um, yeah, hopefully that t- like changes over time. I really hope that it does. Cause. Oh yeah. I'd love it if we didn't have the patriarchy yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> everyone, but. I, always actually, be someone. I was teaching like respect relationships and we were talking about gender equality and um, this sort of thing and like I had a student a year nine student ask me so like what are they predict what's the predicted year that will reach gender equality and I was like I love your optimism I love the fact that you think there is a predi- like a, a year in mind that we've already got for that I mean that'll be ideal <laughs> I was like you it work on that you, year nine student, I believe in you. Change That's the future for really us. That's really cute. That's so nice. 
I can't believe that you, you like kind of knew what you wanted to do from like, even just like learning sex ed when you're a kid. Like, I love that so much. Like, was that something like, was your home life, I guess, when you were growing up quite open sexually and you talked about a lot of things or? Um, it definitely wasn't sex negative, but it, I mm. wouldn't say it was actively openly talking about it. I think yeah. my parents, um, like there were certain things that were really open. Like my parents had lots of gay and queer friends when mm. they were younger. So like, that was always a really open thing in our house. Um, I was someone, I was one of the women who falls into the masturbated really early category, someone who actually discovered masturbation before I knew what that was at mm. all. Like one of my earliest memories is of that and of yeah. actually, um, like my, one of my parents coming in and being like, oh, we like, don't do that around people. Like that's, that's, that's a private thing. Mm. Um, and just kind of, and look, and I think, you know, they did as well as they could, but it was a bit shamey at the time. So I remember it, it did become a bit of a shameful secret thing that went forward. Yeah. But, um, but my parents were really open about talking about puberty stuff, about period stuff. They were pretty open with sex. I remember I had, I think one of my, I think my first boyfriend or like my first proper boyfriend when I was probably 15 we'd only been together for like a couple of weeks like it was yeah and, you know I think all we did together was like kiss like once or twice <laughs> but my mum like sat me down and she was like so like like you know the age of consent is 16 so we'd really love if you could aim for that before you like have sex and I was like you know in my brain you know 15 year old brain I'm like mom don't be silly it's not even what it's about um, <laughs> but they were always really open my mom I could always talk to you about you know I was really clear with her in high school about being like okay this is you know I have a boyfriend a long-term boyfriend now I'd like to go on the pill mm. come with me and we're going to do that and you know it was just it was open enough that I could talk about it but yeah even if it wasn't my parents you know like I just thought it was fascinating I read all the like puberty books because I thought it was so cool and yeah yeah. Like I remember Cosmo. Yeah. Or like Dolly, where you'd like, yes. like oh, yeah. the seal section. Like I love that. <laughs> I love Dolly. I, I remember uh, that. Oh. 100%. And I was like, that's just like, it's just so interesting. And I never really understood why people would get so uncomfortable talking about it or why it yeah. would be embarrassing or weird. Cause I was like, it's just interesting. I, I was like, are you all not fascinated by this? Does this not yeah. just absolutely amaze you? Is there anything that like, I guess parents can kind of help or do when they're like, I guess, bringing up their children, if they are like, like in a way to like kind of, I guess, not create that shame? Like, how do you kind of create that open space with, with children? Well, I think you have to make them really clear that they can talk to you about things and be, mm. and that they're not going to get in trouble for talking to you about things. Yeah. And um, if you needing to correct behavior, like particularly that kind of, if you have young children who are masturbating because kids masturbate when they're really young, it's really mm. normal. It's like a self-soothing thing children will do when they, you know, between like, you know, zero and five. Um, and so it's really clear to be like, that's totally okay that you're doing that, but this is something, it's about private body parts because I know they're private body parts. So we can't do this on the floor at Woolies. Yeah. But we can do yeah. this at home. You can do it and like creating the spaces where that makes sense. Mm. And, you know, being really clear, you can talk to me about sex. You can talk to me about masturbation. You know, you can talk to me about this sort of stuff, but also giving them avenues other than you. Because yeah. you are their parents yeah. and as open and amazing as you can be, they're not always going to want to talk to you. So talking to the other people yeah. in their life, they might have aunties or uncles that they like talking to. Mm. It might be books. It might be those sort of stuff. But trying to be like, what are all the avenues that they have? Because the, the worst thing is just when all they have is porn or in the internet, because then they're going to mm. realistically, you know, porn is not educational. You don't learn how to have sex by watching porn. Oh, God, no. It's like, I, oh, no. I always, I always tell like kids that I'm teaching, I'm like, if you, you know, you don't learn how to drive a car by watching Tokyo Drift because you will be a very bad driver. 
<laughs> That's so true. That's so great. I like that. So, yeah, so you don't learn from that from sex. So it's important that they have lots of different avenues. Yeah. I like literally my entire memory of sex ed at school was um, that giraffe thing. What's his name? What was his uh, name? Harold? Harold? Yeah, that's it's, all I isn't remember. Isn't that a weird concept? It's like, here's a big giraffe. Go in a van with this giraffe yeah. and he's going to teach you about drugs and alcohol and sex. But the, the only thing I remember I actually watching was a woman giving birth. That's the only thing mm. I remember watching in the Harold van was a full yeah. frontal woman giving birth. That was it. Yeah. And <laughs> this is a call out to parents. I want to be really clear that all of the research, and I can, I can link you all of the research, shows that when you do comprehensive, when you do sex positive sexuality education, people have sex later. They mm. have more respectful sex. They have safer sex when they get that education. When you do abstinence-only education or sex-negative education, they have sex usually younger because they yeah. don't have education on what else they could do or what that looks like. They have less safe sex. They get more teen pregnancies, more STI stuff. And so actually so often I have parents who will still tell me, but if, I, if we teach kids about sex, aren't they just going to go have sex? And actually, no. Yeah. You're going to do the opposite. It's, it is so true though. Cause it's like, not even in, I guess, in relation to sex, but my family has always been very open and like, I can talk to my parents about anything. They were always like, nothing's ever off limits. Like you can do what you want. Like, we'll be here. We'll be here if you want to try this or we'll do that, whatever. And so they used to always just say, if you want to go do drugs, like you can go do drugs, just make sure that you do it in a safe environment <laughs> with some friends, like make sure that you have people around and people that you trust. And if you want to do it, you can do it and we'll be here for you and you can talk about it. You don't have to do it again. You don't have to do it at all. But like, they're not, they were never shaming me on anything that I, that people were doing. And like, I never did those things because it never interested me in the end. I was kind of like, oh, well, like, it's not something that yeah, I'm like allowed it, it to took do. All, it took all the taboo out of it. Yeah. Like I remember when I wanted yeah. to drink for the first time, which I must, I was like a late, it was in like year 12 or something. Yeah. And my mom was like, cool, I'll buy it for you. And so then I know how, like, we know how much you're drinking and I'll get it mm. for you and you can go take it. And it's funny because I'd come back from a party and mum would like see my bottle of vodka that I'd have. And she'd be like, oh, is that all you had? <laughs> and I, she was almost like a reverse show. She's like, oh, you're not really, you're not really utilizing that to its fullest. <laughs> I'd be like, thanks mum. You're like, who have I raised? This is all my child. Drink more. <laughs> But you oh, want you gosh. want what you can't get, really. Exactly, so if yeah. it's like dangled in your face, it's right there. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, exactly. I guess so. It's That's- the ones who have locked like lockout times and like curfews and things that want to break them. Like you want to break the rules that your parents set. So if they don't set any and they make it an open environment, then you're less likely to go and do those things. So it doesn't stop mm, there with sex that. as well, I guess. Hundred awesome. percent. Love that. So oh, mine's blown. Yeah, <laughs> like, we could go to some fun things now. So like, what is? Give us your um like favorite sex toy vibrator what is what did you go to oh yeah so I always one of my favorite questions to ask people was what was your first sex toy oh my god it's always just fascinating and most yeah mostly everyone falls into like particularly vulva owners will all have had a way too intense bullet vibrator that's like this it's like really (laughs) tiny but it's like it will burn your clit right off like I don't know why everyone gets that, but everyone has that for the first one. Um, for vulva owners, my favorite toy at the moment is definitely a suction toy. So mm. like a suction clitoral toy. So I think the We Vibe Melt is one that I have at the moment. Mm. I've used a womanizer, which is great. But yeah, the suction toys I think is a really fun yep. uh, toy. It's a really different sensation. And I often recommend people, you know, get sex toys that give you sensations you can't give yourself. Yeah, that's the whole point. Sex yeah. toys are there to not replace anyone, to be clear, but to enhance your pleasure. 
Mm. So something that you can use with your partner, without your partner, just like whatever. Yeah. Can be really fun. So what about for those people who have been in relationships for a long time and have never used sex toys in their relationship or in sexual relationships? Like how do you kind of break that into, into your sex life? Uh, go shopping together. Go with yeah. your partner, go to a sex shop. Although if going to a sex shop is a bit confronting, which is fair enough because sometimes mm. there are dildos the size of small humans in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. Like, that might be a bit much. Veiny ones. Yeah. And di- well, like I remember one which was just like a forearm, but it was like the size of like my almost whole body, but it was just a big forearm. Whoa. Um, anyway, uh, I would recommend <laughs> anyway. Looking, anyway, I'd recommend looking online together at some. Yeah. And, you know, you obviously search by if you really want to use it together than ones that you can use depending on what kind of sex you're having. Um, but I often recommend like couples getting a toy each. Mm, and that you can okay. use them, but you don't have to. I think as well, sex toys can be very gendered mm. and women are empowered when they buy a sex toy and men are kind of gross when they get a sex toy. And yeah. I don't love that narrative. So I think it's like, okay, what could both people get? You know, yeah. whether it's a little vibrator or a little dildo or a little, um, you know, suction toy mm. or whether it's like a masturbation sleeve or a cock ring or something for your prostate because your prostate is an amazing thing if you have not explored it. Mm. Uh, and so actually, okay, what can we get that we could use together but we could also use on each other and we could use on our own and so, you know, kind of create so many different spaces. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so much, so much information. I love it. But we have uh, left your spill the tea to the end. So we need to get your spill the tea now. <laughs> Give us something oh, drop fun it. that's happened. Something fun that's happened. See, it's, oh, I was like, see, instantly my brain went to like two very different stories, which was I like love, it's completely, completely separate, but I love animals, like particularly Australian yeah, animals. Yeah. And the other weekend we went, my partner and I went down like Peninsula Way, like Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. And I saw two echidnas on two separate days, just like walking in front of me out right. in the wild oh, just wow. like just Cute chilling ass. walking it was the most adorable thing ever and it just filled me with so much joy and echidnas are hilarious if you've never seen mm. one in person they are oh they're so, so cute their little faces and they're like they've got these like huge little toes and they just like oh they're just so funny I'm going to um, send you my echidna photo from Tasmania. You're going to love it, girl. You're going to oh, love it. Please do because it. I oh. love it. And then the only other thing I thought of was the funny thing that happened yesterday was I went shopping with my mum, who I love my mum. We're very close. And we were shopping uh, kind of like yeah, like Fitzroy area and we went into this place and she because she saw earrings in the front that said like queer on them and my mum was like, oh, it's so good. We should go into this shop. It looks really cute. And we went in. Oh, bless. And um, we, I picked some earrings for her and I was like, mom, I think you should really get these earrings. I think they really suit you. And she was like, oh, like which ones? Show me. And it said, pussy is a superfood. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom loved them. Oh, oh my God. That's so cute. Where like is this store? Yeah. It was, oh, it, I think it was on uh, Brunswick Street in Fitzroy mm. and it was like a, it was oh. one of those great stores that like have a huge um, a bunch of different artists and designers that each have like an own yeah. little section um it was very cool I love Can that it's like seeing someone with those earrings yeah. <laughs> it's like Abby Chatfield how she has like her g-spot vibrator and she's got like little g-spot vibrator mm. earrings that come with it or like go with it yeah <laughs> it's on that bush website the one that has the the clitoral stimulator the vibrator. Is that, yeah, oh the, yeah the, the bush empress that's my favorite mm. mm-hmm. oh <laughs> But yeah, those earrings are so funny. I'm like, I definitely need some of those for sure. Oh yeah, my oh, ha- love house is girl. full of different like 
like naked people and sex stuff and like toys and in like our office we just have this big bookshelf that is literally full of different sex toys sex books and just like and butt plugs that yeah. are just around. I knew there was going to be some butt plugs not somewhere. in, not like, in the room, the red room. Not in the clinic room but in the communal space just just chill. yeah if I went into the clinic room and there was a butt plug on the table I would be like yeah I'm out of here <laughs> that's why they're not in the clinic room so just you yeah, might love yeah. it Jess you never know I mean, I've never gone down a butt plug bar. <laughs> Maybe that's another episode. We'll yeah. do like a butt. Start, a butt you know, play. start a finger and then you can go to a butt plug. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Or a small has butt your, plug at least. Has your partner always kind of been open sexually as well? Or like has it been a kind of a confronting for him too as you've kind of progressed in your career? I mean, we've we've been together for quite a while now, so I think mm. we've definitely grown together. Like we, yeah. we got together before I studied sexology. I was still always open about sex and whatnot, but I think it's definitely something we've grown into mm. together. And I think um, I try not to, this sounds fun, I try not to bring work home with me all the time Yeah. Um, because, you know, I talk about sex all the time. So I don't, we don't often talk about it all the time together as well. But I think, you know, I think my partner and I have been able to create really, beautiful relationships together and I think he's Mm. amazing and gives me so much space to yeah explore things that I want to and you know particularly explore things that I might find I go oh this sounds really hot I want to do this and then we do it and I'm like no that was terrible didn't like (laughs) nah moving on and it's great because we have that space where you know we don't have to be embarrassed to talk to each other about it yeah oh I love that that's the relationship Again. goals right there. Yeah, literally. Again, you fingers crossed, my partner, if you're listening. Hope that's correct. <laughs> All right, so oh on God. a final note, what is like the one thing, I guess, that you as a sexologist like want to do by being a sexologist? Like what's the one thing that's so important to you that you want to teach people? I want to teach people that your pleasure is important and it's an important part of your life and it's an important part to like every other part of your life and to have an amazingly fulfilling life we can't ignore sex or that can't be just the one area that we just go oh well it it is what it is Mm. and you know it's not selfish to want to explore yourself or to have good sex like it's not you're not a bad person for actually deciding that the sex you're having isn't the best Mm. or what or what you're actually wanting you know so I want everyone to feel empowered to be able to go and whatever that is see a sexologist explore yourself on your own you know, whatever it is to really find your pleasure because pleasure is important and it's yeah. allowed to be important. Love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank <laughs> you We're so both much. like, oh, yeah. This has been so great. <laughs> you have been amazing. Now I know yeah. what a sexologist is. Zana, <laughs> I, I support you. Always did, but I'm glad. I, I mean, I thought you had a red room, but that's okay. It's I mean, you can, you can be a sexologist and still have a red room. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, true. It can be both. Yeah. Anyone can have a red room and I support it. I'll buy I just want to go in and Christmas. look at it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll start small though. Okay. All right. All right. Small little jewel. <laughs> thank oh, you thank so, you so much, much for today. Thanks for having me. Um, where can anyone find you and tell us all? Indeed. So you can find me on Instagram at Lauren French Sexologist. So please mm-hmm. follow me there. Um, and if you want to book in a session or come see me, you can look up the Australian Institute of Sexology and Sexual Medicine, but you can find mm-hmm. that link in my Instagram as well. And you can come say hi. Fabulous. Love oh, that. Thank you so much. Bye. What are we bye. sending, Zana? Love, life, and laughter always. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.